Is this thing on? Are you ready, Matt? You're listening to Box Office Avengers with Matt Diaz and Ernesto Santos. Good evening, folks. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Man, am I excited to talk about this week's movie. I felt like, man, I, I missed the opportunity. I felt like I, I should have came in with some, some music, some, some fighting music. <laughs> I mean, this is the show that we have been waiting for. I mean, this is episode 163. Matt, welcome everyone to Box Office Bingers. Tell the people, what are we reviewing this week and who is joining us this week? Uh, we are reviewing Creed Three. Mm. The uh, it's a very, what's what's an intense knockout boxing term here uh, episode, and uh, we are excited to bring back Brandon Hadnot to the show. Brandon, welcome back. Thank you. La- last time we had you on, it was for Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. So welcome to the new year, sir. <laughs> it's been it's been a minute, but um, but yeah, we're happy to bring you on. And uh, I know that we've talked about Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan in the past before, obviously with Black Panther and the first Creed and everything. So I'm really excited to dive into this one. This is Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut, which was, to me, that really heightened the movie for me. For a person who's been playing the character for now eight years, finally now getting behind the director's chair, maybe that's something he always wanted, and working with the greats like Sylvester Stallone, and and Ryan Coogler on these projects. It feels natural um, and almost fitting that he is now directing this movie. Um, it's written by Keegan Coogler, who is Ryan Coogler's brother. He also wrote Space Jam New Legacy. Uh, also written by Zach Balin, uh, who also wrote uh, King Richard, the Oscar-winning Oscar movie. I'm not sure if it was one for screenplay or not, but obviously Will Smith won for his performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a story by Ryan Coogler, so he helped develop probably the bare bones of the story. Um, starring Michael B. Jordan, Tessa Thompson, the one and only Jonathan Majors, mm-hmm. uh, Wood Harris, uh, Felicia Rashad, Rich- Rashad, Rashad, and uh, in- I think probably introducing uh, Mila Davis-Kent as the the daughter. But we're going to be diving into all that a little bit later into the show. But first, Brandon, as always, we'd like to start when we have you on the show is giving us an update from Birth of Flowers. We talked about Birth of Flowers a lot in this show. Uh, give us an update on what's going on with that. Okay, uh, yeah, I wanted to go, like, straight super fast on the rails after I finally got done with the Branches episode, um, but I am struggling with location, so I have to get uh, really creative now, um, I guess in a cost-effective way. I've been trying to find a soundstage that I could then build, like, this shed that I wanted to buy uh, on the inside for this episode that's supposed to be very Black Mirror-ish. Mm. Um, mm. So, you know, I've already got the people in mind who I kind of want to give a call for acting, people who have been in my previous projects before. Uh, and, yeah, that's that's the next thing I'm working on. It's, like, super producible beyond, like, location stuff. I believe it's something that I could shoot in a day uh, and be able to, you know, just make sure that all of my actors and my crew are accommodated and whatnot. So that's that. And um, I want to be able to shoot 
the rest of the episodes, if not at the at a more realistic, bare minimum uh, expectation of myself, uh, three to four more episodes this year. Um, I'm okay. really hoping that I could finish all of them. Uh, I'm not trying to do the things that I did in the past and made mistakes with, where I, uh, you know, just try to do it all by myself. I'm definitely calling on the people who I can ask to help for next time. I might still be <laughs> giving you a call. Hey, I'm uh, right. I told so. you. Just let me know. Just throw up the bat signal. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, um, I'm, I'm excited about that, and I want uh, to put up a little update video on um, the GoFundMe campaign so that people can okay. just know where we're at. Yeah, we'll, we, you know, you shoot us the link, and we'll we'll gladly promote that for you and get the mess, help get the message up. Absolutely. And where, again, where can people find the latest information on that? Where can they go? They can go to www.birthofflowers.com, same name as the anthology series. Awesome. Or Instagram, same handle. <laughs> and that, all that information, of course, will be on our description, uh, in our description box, wherever you find it, uh, either in the podcast episode, our Facebook page, our Instagram page, uh, our newly Twitter page, all that stuff. It's all there. And, uh, yeah, we're always here to support you, Brandon. So uh, yeah. thank you for the update. And uh, hopefully your goals can be achieved this year of getting all those episodes filmed by the end of the year. And it's the, the year's still young, though. We were in March, so we're, we're good. We have plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with that, let's dive into uh, we're going to be skipping news this week. A lot of news did come out, but we're saving it for another episode because we're a little bit crunched on time. So we'll be diving right into our What You Watching. Brandon, we'll start with you. What have you been watching? And more specifically, your thoughts on Cocaine Bear. You just <laughs> you didn't even wait. You're just like, let's just no, do I, it. <laughs> I, I do. I, yeah, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because I, I'm telling you what. I had zero to – I had no – I was not going to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. I wasn't <laughs> going to watch it. I wrote it off. And then I read Brandon's review. And I said, what? This is positive. <laughs> What's going on? I don't understand. This movie looks like garbage. I don't. This is so <laughs> stupid. So, Brandon, your thoughts on the movie? <laughs> I I enjoyed Cocaine Bear because it was ridiculous, and I think I'm just getting to a point where I've seen so many movies now that I'm ready to embrace a bit of ridiculousness for the freshness. I was not in that mood when, say, Malignant came out. But, mm. however, the same writer of Malignant then ma- went on to make Megan, which I loved. But Cocaine Bear. Uh, you know, being Elizabeth Banks. 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 Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, was that her di- directorial debut? Uh, no, no, she actually directed. Um, she directed Charlie's uh, Angels. Uh, Charlie's oh, okay. Angels. I missed Charlie's Angels. That's what, okay. I think she also directed Pitch Perfect Two. Oh, I gotcha. think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Cocaine Bear, though, like it was just. It was a lot, and I was just like, what? <laughs> you know, and so being in there and seeing the audience's reaction to the most ridiculous things in there, like the bear doing a line off of a severed leg and all this kind of <laughs> stuff, the title open, just everything. It was just, it was a fun ride, you know? I couldn't even just get in a mode where I just watched it in this linear fashion and got ready to, like, peel it apart or, or pick it apart. I just was just like... What? <laughs> so I was like, you know, I just had to give it a thumbs up and say, you know what, whatever people may feel about this movie, just go see it and, and put that in your brain. Let that sit on your mind like it's sitting on mine now. <laughs> I don't know what you think. So, yeah. so it's funny because after I read your your positivity review, mm-hmm. then I get Ernesto's positive review. <laughs> 
of how much he enjoyed the movie. And I was like, okay, so that's two now. And then I see, and then I go to Rotten Tomatoes. It's sitting at like a 70-something percent. And like, okay, hold up. We're living in a world where Cocaine Bear is better than Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. <laughs> I, now, I have to see this movie. I, was dri- I went from not even giving it a chance to like, what is the buzz about? But Ernesto, your thoughts on Cocaine Bear? I mean, for everything he just listed, I mean, you have to love how ridiculous this movie is. <laughs> like, we don't. When was the last time we really got a true ridiculous movie like that? Like, and the fact that it's, I mean, it's loosely based on a true story, which I think is the even more hilarious part. Yeah. It's like that they took the premise, like they did. This is what we want to see. It was, to me, it was refreshing because it's not something, mm. it's not a remake. It's not her redoing Charlie's Angels. Like, we had all those True, movies. Yeah. We don't need that again. But she took something that actually happened in real life, and they used their creative brains as creative artists and came up with their own original crazy-ass story. So <laughs> I was totally here for it. Like, when I, the title of the movie said, okay. I can sit down and I can turn off my brain, <laughs> like, and I can just yeah. and I can just watch and it's, I can just watch this and enjoy it. And like and I don't know, I felt like they did Ray Liotta justice, like you know, yeah. kind of giving him a proper send off. He got yeah. enough time on. I felt like he got a lot of time on scene, and we got really encapsulated. Like he that was he was that was like his character in almost every movie he did. That's, that's true. <laughs> he, killed it. Wait, he killed it, and then he killed yeah. him. Oh. But I didn't mean. Oh. oh, I didn't mean it like that. I meant it in the movie. Damn, I really didn't. Damn, I really didn't mean it. I actually didn't mean it like that. But yeah, I get you. I, yeah, good faith. Isaiah Whitlock Jr. Though I gotta. Oh man, he he was hilarious. He uh, was the detective with the dog. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. But. I, I mean, and then, I mean, it's just everything that happens. They had kids doing cocaine. That was the part I was the, probably like, wow. That they, I didn't I was think like, I could laugh at something like that. <laughs> yeah, like, when they're going to do it, I was like, they're going to, they're going to like, they're not going to actually make these kids. They're not going to actually. Some going to come stop yeah, them. Or they're going to knock yeah. it over. They're not going to think about it. I was like, no, they actually did cocaine. Like, I, I, like, in the movie, they showed these kids doing coke. Oh, man. <laughs> Look, I'll, I'll give you points, Ernesto and, and Brandon, for basically everything you said. Maybe I wasn't in the right mindset. I feel like that's also part of it. you got to be in the right mindset <laughs> to watch a movie like this because it is a movie that exactly what it advertised is exactly what you got. Mm-hmm. And I knew from that advertisement I wasn't going to like it. And sure enough, after I finished it, I was like, yep, I still don't like it. But <laughs> but I, I knew that – I feel like I walked in there going in there saying that I this is not the movie for me, and it still wasn't. Did I get a couple of good laughs in there? Absolutely. There were some, there were some pretty funny moments yeah. in there, I'm not going to lie. So, like, I don't regret watching it. I just knew right. that to some point I was like, this this isn't for me. Well, what but I didn't – that's that's fair. You're right. I, the, the, what the trailer advertised, it's it's that's cocaine bear. That's it's what you got. The hangover it's... with bears. <laughs> I mean, when the bear family, they're just like basking in the coke. <laughs> I, I, mean, like, oh, I mean, come on, that shit is wild. Yeah. <laughs> 
I will say this, though. It's funny, because when I first saw the trailer, I'm like, this movie looks dumb, and it said, based on the true story, I actually found a YouTube video. I, I think it says, like, the, the, the true story about the cocaine bear. And the story is wild, but the only thing that the movie gets right was that there was a plane of a smuggler. Um, there was a there was a plane that had a bunch of cocaine with a smuggler, and that that cocaine that got off the plane and he went off with it. The parachute didn't go off and he died. And as far as the bear is concerned, from my understanding, the bear ingested the cocaine, but then died. Yeah, and that was yeah, that much. was it. That really that quick. was the true story. Yeah, died pretty quick. And then what happened after that was that for some reason the the, the town that this happened in took in a fat, um, um, such a liking to this story that they ended up uh, preserving the bear like a taxidermy. And then the pair was just the bear was just being either in a museum being sold off to collectors. It was just living a, a crazy afterlife of bouncing between museums and, like I said, uh, people with money. Some guy bought the co- like the 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 stuffed cocaine bear and then it died and the mother and the the wife that was left behind had to then sell it off again. And it was like, geez, this bear can't catch a break. See, <laughs> with now, all that, what would have been a documentary. What would have been a yeah, nice seriously. touch at the end of the movie is if they had that whole cutscene and then they said, and the bear live a happy life and the, and the town loved the bear so much. And then they play like real scenes from like all that information. If they had given that yeah. information and then they had, then like it's tied to like the true story. I felt like that yeah. would have like, that would have put the movie like yeah. a little bit higher for me. That would have been a yeah. nice little touch they added. Oh, I like that. Yeah. But I, Brandon, you made a good point. I would love to see a documentary about that. True. Like the, <laughs> the real story of the cocaine bear. Like I think that would have been, great because it was just a, it's weird it's just a weird story but again Ernesto to your credit Elizabeth Banks is like yeah but what if right <laughs> what if that bear went on a murderous spree and you're like yeah let's make Universal was like yes like, you think <laughs> bears are crazy what about a coked out bear like <laughs> yeah. I gotta give it to Scott Cease or Sice uh, oh the TikTok uh, guy yeah yeah he did yeah. great for that to be I think his first like movie role <laughs> yeah yeah it was his yeah. first role it, he right he did that was a good see i don't know who that other actress was i don't know if maybe she yeah, was another one yeah. if she was another tiktok actress but i thought mm-hmm. they both did really well in that yeah i didn't think this was Kara russell's scene but i mean good for her for playing along because you know this was a wild movie in and of itself and i feel like now cocaine bear is starting a trend of like insert drug here and insert animal here and we have now. It's kind of like it's. This has very similar to um, Sharknado vibes, where it's just a ridiculous concept, and people are on board for it. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I I understand how people can be into this, but it wasn't for me. But good, it's making money. So who, what do I care? Now, what I don't <laughs> see is like, all right, this was great. Let's make Cocaine Bear too. Like, yeah, then, we don't need right, that. Then, I don't need a sequel. See that then then it starts yeah. on the same path as everything else. Just leave it yeah. alone. It's great. I appreciate it, it enough that they tease the joke of it with the goats at the end and the guy yanks the duffel bag from them and says, yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's enough for me. I don't yeah. need a sequel of it. Yeah. <laughs> As like, opposed to say like, been? yeah. <laughs> As opposed to like Megan, maybe 2.0 that's coming. I guess that's already confirmed. Um, I'm fine seeing a sequel from that. You know, I, I enjoyed the hell out of Megan. 
So, so I guess we can talk about it now, Matt. All part of my what you're watching I had for you this week. I actually saw Megan. I saw. Oh, I didn't even know that. That was I just brought it up. That was I, I had know. no idea you were it watching. Was, it's that. a nice little segue. <laughs> I, segue. I actually I actually did I actually did up um, seeing it just recently, just because. Oh, okay. Like, just it's like on Peacock. I did, yeah, it was on Peacock. Just because how much you praised it, I mean, it was really good. I think. Yeah. The, I think the premise was yes. really good. It, it, here's another one that. It's kind of like Chucky. Here's and here's a good example of how to take the essence of something to make something better. Like they basically made an updated version of Chucky, but nobody's mm-hmm. looking at it like that because there's enough originality where it's covered up by other things. But it's essentially Chucky. Like the doll comes to life and starts killing people. Yeah. Different reasons, but uh, but I but I was here for it. So I'm I'm here for the next one because it's scary because AI is so real and it so there is that kind of Black Mirror s to it. That's like, mm-hmm. mm, like wow, that's kind of out there, but not. <laughs> <laughs> right. Took the TikTok uh, stuff and put it in there. Like, yeah, it was right. Also, great for the marketing on Megan, too. The marketing did a really good job with, like, yeah, pushing this movie out. I think that was also part of the success. Brent, you saw the movie, right? Yeah. Love yeah, it. what do you think of it? I, I loved it. I was cracking up in the movie theater. I thought that it was great, you know. and it's, I thought that it was just really smart. Like you said, the marketing. It was like... I feel like they knew that kids were also going to want to see this movie regardless of what anybody said yeah. and that they yeah. knew that the theater would have some in there and they they played it smart like I know that they cut some of the gore out and then released it later on um but it was just like you could end up you could and people might disagree with this but you could take a kid to see that movie and they would be laughing and they would understand the horror and they wouldn't be having some like super crazy Megan nightmares I actually agree with you only on the basis that, like, my only concern with horror is, like, sometimes they, like, some horrors tend to be over-sexualized, like, where it's yeah. not, where it's more about the sex and the, and, like, right. the teenage drama than it is about the actual horror. Like, yeah. uh, recently, I let my kids watch A Quiet Place 1 and 2, and, like, that was a great basis yes. for us to watch a horror movie together, because we watched the whole thing, I go, wow, they're, like, I like wasn't any like there wasn't really any bad language like it's really just like a family drama just surrounded in this horrific world like you heard like it, I, folks Quiet Place one and two are family movies they really no, they, <laughs> I mean this this was like a recent revelation that I had like, I agree when I when I, I first watched it like I never I never thought about it like that but it wasn't until I watched it with my two older ones and we were like in the sea like all right let's uh, let's wait till some shit happens at see what they see what therapy bill we got to pay for later <laughs> but no it worked out it it actually worked out well but I, I i agree with megan it this one is a little bit gorier than quiet place 1 and 2 but i think like when you're you're evolving your kids to the next step of like yeah. what you want them to watch that seems Gateways like a that's a, that's a gateway that's a that's a na- i feel like that that could be like a natural progression for something like a quiet place yeah yeah but you yeah. make a good point like it's it's not that it it sticks to its story it's not over sexualized and it's and it's it's not i mean you saw an unrated version on peacock i just saw the one that was in theaters so i think oh. that one might be a little bit more tamed because I don't remember Brandon, correct me if I'm wrong. There wasn't a lot of blood and gore in that movie. No, no, in theaters, yeah. like it was like that's why I say like, hey, you know, kids could watch this thing; it'd be fine. Oh. Yeah. So I didn't. Oh, okay, interesting. So yeah, because uh, yeah, I was. I mean, there were some. There were some chopping. I mean, there was some. There was some hacking away. So now I gotta watch that. Right <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm about to say that now. I was like, wait a minute, hold on. We're we're not children. We're adults here. I want to see that version <laughs> right. instead. <laughs> 
them kids. I'm like, I let me rewatch this. Get out of way. Go to the other room. <laughs> yeah, go to the other room. Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> Um, but but it's funny because in in a in a world especially with reboots and sequels and I was listening to a podcast earlier and they were saying that horror even though it does sequelize on some of its franchises like it does also does a really good job of giving us originality and I feel like I mean even with Cocaine Bear which is a comedy horror and Megan can also be seen as a comedy horror depending how you look at it but mainly leaning to the horror angle those are original movies for the most part. Like you have you have glimpses of uh, of like where it could be taking it from, but it's not a direct sequel and whatever. And so those ins- they're fun to watch those type of movies, as opposed to you know now we're dealing with the sequels and the reboots and like we want more originality. It's refreshing to see that nowadays. And so you know with that, our, Brandon, you mentioned you saw Ant Man the Wasp Quantumania. What are your quick thoughts on that? Oh boy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Like, well, all right, never mind then. <laughs> you know, I I will watch anything with Jonathan Majors in it because he is like Fact. today's like Renaissance man art. Like he just Preach. never fails on screen. <laughs> the guy can do anything. I'm convinced. Um, but Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania is just like, oh, here we go, another flavor of the week Marvel movie where they just don't <laughs> do enough. You know, it's like a we saw this happening. Whether you're a comic book fan or not, you could like straight up go in there and guess the plot and be like mm-hmm. 80% accurate. Um, you know, and it's just like, okay, you've got Kang the Conqueror here. Loki did an amazing job of making you fear him without even seeing him yet up until the last maybe couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. Then you get Ant-Man uh, and the Wasp Quantumania and it's just like, oh, you've got MODOK. <laughs> And then you've got, uh, you know, Kang, who's in there, who is, yeah, he's he's still terrifying. But you've got this, like, I don't know, this anticlimax. I, I guess I kind of wanted Scott Lang to die. Let me just cut to this chase. I think he should have died. You know, and the trailers had made me excited for that because I'm like, oh, man, he's having that kind of, uh, you know, RDJ final moment there. You know, he's bleeding. He's saying, like, you know, I don't have to win. We both just have to lose. I'm like, oh, that's a bar. You know, and then you get there and you watch the movie and it's like, oh, that, that's it. Oh. <laughs> Super sanitized ending. No no real high stakes. He, he either Thank should have you. died or he should have trapped himself in the quantum realm Forever. with Kang. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. And to top it off, you know what I want? Because this is what I want. I want uh-huh. them to bring Ultron back in the MCU. I wanted them to show the effects of being in the quantum realm on the mm. elderly people, on Hank Pym, and I wanted him to go insane and think that it was a good idea to bring Ultron back. Just because just that's what I want. Not that they had to do that, <laughs> because they had their own plans. Damn, I but, like, like that. Because Thank Hank, you. if I'm not mistaken, in the comics, Han- Hank Pym was the he one who created insane. Ultron. Crap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And his mental health or his mental disorders are, um, or his situations are, you know, what bring about so much drama to the point where he's almost like an untrustworthy character. Mm. And yeah. for them to do nothing with that and then to make an anticlimactic ending on top of that and just make it all jokey jokes and everybody lives, basically, it's just like, okay, Guess I'll just wait for Loki season two. Because then they could they, they could have easily killed him 
and then it just relates right to the comic where he dies in Avengers Disassembled. Like, it's easy correlation, and then that ties into why his daughter wants to be a young Avenger. It's because she goes to the mansion to try to find his suit after he dies. Like, what a... Like, I mean... Dude, did any of them read the comics? Like, I don't know. <laughs> starting to wonder. You know what I mean? Even, like, ba- that's basic. That's like basic knowledge. That's like, like yeah. Ant Man one hundred and one dies in Avenger Disassembled. That's like number one or number two. Like, <laughs> and and you know what's crazy? Great. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> Get great source. Yeah. <laughs> and the crazy thing is, and like Ernesto, you were saying, like, and even Brandon, you were saying, like, Ant Man should have died. And I agree with you in that sentiment. And what the crazy part about that, right, is that sure you killed Ant Man, but guess what? We're in the multiverse saga, people. You can bring him back if you want to, right? It's like the 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 option is there. At least as long as we're living in the saga right now, you have the option to bring back either characters that have already died, or you can bring back different variants of those characters. And like, okay, so like, say if Scott Lang had died, then that's that version of Scott Lang died for a reason and a purpose, and that holds weight. That's not stopping yeah. you to to grabbing another grabbing Paul Rudd, giving us a different Scott Lang to continue out the story because you can do that. Yeah, it's it an argument that I need seriously, <laughs> and obviously we're seeing that flexing in with Jonathan Majors because obviously oh, he's yeah. gonna be playing a whole bunch of Kangs <laughs> at KangCon. KangCon, still using it. <laughs> that was a good one. I like that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I know this, uh, I feel like these are like lingering things after our, our conversation last week. If you want to hear our full review on 8 Man of the Walls Quantumania, go listen to last week's episode, because that was a, f- or two weeks ago? No, two weeks ago at this two point. Two weeks ago. We did Oscar two weeks predictions. Ago. Yeah, last week we last did our, week. we did Oscar predictions, and that was like, let, maybe we'll just, we'll do a movie, and we ended up just doing the predictions, we went through all the categories, it took us like two and a half hours to like go through yes. everything. <laughs> this is like the first year we've actually been able to like watch 90% of the nominations, I think there's still mm-hmm. one. There's like one I have left, but you know, I've I had enough to make my predictions. Absolutely, yeah, we yeah. have enough to go off of there. Um, but yeah, you can listen to our Oscars prediction episode, which at the time of this recording, we are only a few days away from uh, the uh, 95th Oscars. So definitely go ahead and listen to that episode as well as watch the Oscars, and then we're gonna be doing a recap episode later, um, and then also listen to our thoughts on and the Watch Quantum Mania. But I feel like anyway, these these are like my lingering thoughts after that episode. It was like the, some of the things I forgot to say, but valid nonetheless. Um, Brandon, is there anything else you want to mention in your what you're watching? Anything else that we might not have already talked about? Um, I think I already I think I already mentioned Servant on Apple Plus. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys. No. Oh yeah, well, actually, oh. Yeah, you have. Yeah. You oh did, yeah. Okay. You did, you did, yeah. yeah, you did servants. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just recently got into True Detective. Can't stop binging it. Um, oh, True Detective is good. Yeah. Yeah, and I watch it late at night, which is a mistake because it has a lot of dialogue, <laughs> which will make me go to sleep no matter how sleep. Good it is. Yep. Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, yeah, that's that's just been my main uh, little thing. Um, I don't know if you guys mind if I talk about anime a little bit. I finally got back into watching that. Go ahead. Um, sure, go ahead. Uh, there's this one that I'm watching on Netflix called Vinland Saga, and it's like this North Norse mythology-based anime, and it is it's pretty great. Called <laughs> like, Vil- Vinland Saga? Vinland Saga, Vinland. yeah. Vinland. Yeah. Um, and that's that's yeah, I I understand the hype now. Um, you know, uh, before that, I watched the cyberpunk uh, anime. Um, mm-hmm. Those those are two main ones. Uh, I tried to get into the Junji it's, uh, Ito um, 
uh, animated um, or anime that they put onto Netflix, but it wasn't the one that I wanted it to be about, and that's supposed to come uh, through Toonami, I guess, later on in the year or whatever, but that's beyond the point, but that's just been <laughs> what I've been watching lately. There's a bunch of other stuff that I'm sure I'm forgetting, but I know we're, we're short on time, so. Okay. Uh, Ernesto, what about you? Okay, so besides Cocaine Bear and Megan, let's see, the other, two other things I want to mention is on Apple TV is Shrinking with Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford. It is so good. It is on the level of Ted Lasso. Like that is that is wow, how good. That's a huge. I, that's what I, I said. That's, that's what, what I said. Yeah. I know that's what he said. I'm, I'm just saying. Like it is. Like Jason Siegel is on fire. He has like that same, like that same um, sarcastic comedy that he brings to like Forgetting Sarah Marshall, or like that same kind of quippiness that he has in um, How I Met Your Mother. But then you get Harrison Ford, and he's just he plays like this like lovable grumpy old man and it's just like yeah i could see that like he like that <laughs> is him and it, they just all mesh really well together as a cast it's i mean it, it's heartwarming it's hilarious there's a great story about mental health about just trying to be a better person like there's just it's a it's a feel-good comedy show and it's just it's exactly what we need it's on it's it maybe you might not think it's as good as ted lasso but it's in the it's definitely in the neighborhood wow you know, Ernesto, it's funny that you see, because this, this is, obviously this is, I'm, I've heard you say this already, and you mentioned, it, you know, just as good as Ted Lasso. I was like, I want, who's creating this? Son of a bitch. Bill Lawrence and Brett Goldstein, the creators of Ted Lasso, <laughs> oh, <okay>. who are <laughs> creating go. Shrinking. So I was like, guessed. all right, there you go. Which, uh, for those, also Jason Siegel is also credited as a creator and a writer for the show as well. Um, but for those, Brett Goldstein. He is, he is Roy fucking Kent on Ted Lasso, if you did not know that. Also, future Hercules in the MCU. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's also the creator of Ted Lasso as well as Shrinking, if you did not know that. Um, so he's one hell of a writer, apparently. <laughs> yeah, he absolutely is. It is, I can't even stress how good this show is. Wow. And Roy Kent right. is one of my favorite characters on Ted Lasso, so that's, that's a yeah. lot to process. <laughs> I I think right now we are almost to March 24th is the finale. Uh, Ooh, yeah. So I'll be I'll be watching around there Ernesto cuz cuz you've been getting good. I watch every yeah. week. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's like my soap opera every week. I was like, "Ooh, what's gonna happen now?" <laughs> Watching my stories, like, no, that shit. Is Watching good. my stories. <laughs> uh, what's the other one you're and watching? The other one I, I I don't know if you've ever have you ever enjoyed South Park. I feel like back how South Park back in its heyday, like back in the early days of South Park, like peak South Park. I felt like two thousands, earlier two thousands. Yeah, I feel like we're getting back to that. We're getting back to that with this new season. They hmm. did. They are not holding back. They were talking about <laughs> Kanye. Like they did the whole face with him, like making fun of him about how about everything, and like they did a whole episode on Meghan Markle about. Like they're on the world privacy tour. It's hilarious. I don't know. I think it's. <laughs> See? <laughs> we just want to have privacy. <laughs> um, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, that's yeah. that. It, but but they're but they're back to just making fun of like every everything in pop culture. Like no, oh. I feel like they like nobody touches them. Like they can do whatever they want. They literally say whatever they want. They make fun of everybody. I mean, they did a whole episode with R. Kelly and Tom Cruise. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen the Trapped in the Closet episode, but it's a pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> no. 
I mean, when you've been running since 1977 and for almost really? 30 seasons. 77 or 1997? Sorry, 1977. Sorry, 19... 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 Sorry, 19...
Yeah, next episode um, is the finale, and they've pretty much wrapped up, like, a lot of that. Like, the main story points, at least, you know? If you strip all of the travel from point to point in uh, the linear-based gameplay or whatever of, like, oh, we gotta fight this band of criminals, fight this band of uh, marauders, blah, 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 blah. If you strip it of that, they're kind of following, like, on point with the game's story, you know? Uh, but like I said, you know, they gotta be able to push it forward in a one-hour format or 45 minutes, whatever they get. Sure. But then, so how many seasons do do we see this going on for? Probably two. two. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Lucky three. If we get three. You know, I think yeah. they're going to do it one game at a time, and they're considering doing a third video game, or maybe in, it's in talks about it, but I don't know, because Neil Druckmann said he got inspired by Elden Ring uh, recently in the game Uh-oh. after Last of Us 2, and I'm like, no, no, Neil, don't, don't do that. <laughs> Last of Us like, is fine, the way it is. <laughs> thing, and that goes back to, like, even remakes, and, like, we don't want to dilute what's already great. Like, just right. let us yeah. enjoy what what is what already is. Yeah. But it, I feel like that The Last of Us, from what I've been hearing, is, like, an exception to the rule where it's, like, we're fine you adapting it, it but we don't feel like it's, you're not sequelizing and you're not going too far left, but you're creating a true adaptation of the video game. So, like, for the fans of the video games, they can appreciate this on a different level, but if you've never played the video game, like myself, you can enjoy the show for what it is, not needing the video game to help you fall in love with these characters. Mm. And I think that's something to be said of how well it's doing. So, you're not, you're not only doing a great job of appeasing people who like to watch television, but you're doing the rare feat is that you are appeasing people who are fans of the video games. Yeah. And when you can do both, that's Emmys right there, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> All that's guaranteed. Day. Absolutely. Like, guaranteed n- at least most nomination. show or something yeah. like that? Like with the most amount of streams in a week or something? I forgot the, the stats, but it was insane. And the they sales the for la- the game increased some crazy like three or <laughs> 600% the sales of The Last of Us video games. That's, that's amazing. I, I'm and then for a game that came out ten years ago, yeah, it's yeah. it's incredible, and now it's been remastered twice now for PS4 and for PS5. Um, I'm very much looking forward to the finale. I'm really, really excited for that. Um, but yeah, as far as my what you're watching, like I said, it's going to lead right into Creed Three. Ernesto, I teased this last week what I was going to do, and I did it. <laughs> okay. I watched all six Rocky movies. I rewatched Creed 1 and 2. I had never watched a Rocky film. I've seen all of them what? now. <laughs> well, I did a yeah. Thank you. I did a <laughs> I did a mega binge. And so quickly I'm going to just give you like my synopsis of like the 6, right? Of Rocky 1 through 6. Rocky 1 was good. It's a classic. Obviously everyone yeah. loves it. I personally feel like Rocky 2 is where the story is. Now because it Thank you, right? <laughs> to me, Rocky 2 is better than the original because, and also Rocky 1 and 2 seen as, I see that now as a, as a part 1, part 2 story. So, like, if the sequels never followed that, like, if there was never any more sequels after that, Rocky 1 and 2 is a solid, like, here's your introduction to the character and then here's your resolution. Mm. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a great two-part story. A couple of the romance stuff in the first Rocky movie was a little awkward. It was, <laughs> that movie was made in the 70s. It doesn't translate very well in 2023. But once we get the ball moving into the second movie and that's, the romance is already established, that arc is so rewarding when you watch Rocky 2. I really, really enjoyed Rocky 2. 
Rocky Three with Mr. T and Hulk Hogan. A little little cheesy, not going to lie. <laughs> some some great fighting. The pacing, though, was really on point with Rocky Three. I thought the pacing was much better in the first two movies, but it definitely felt out of place from the first two movies. That's, that's why I think it's a good part one and part two. Part three, we're trying some new things. Rocky Four, that one was the one that was being hyped up the most for me because of all the great things I hear about it. That movie is five music videos. That's what that movie is. <laughs> we have two training montages. We have the entirety of the national anthem. Uh, I'm sorry, of the Russian national anthem. We have a We Love America and uh, music video. And there is a flashback music video that took about three to five minutes to tell the flashback of the first three movies. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> I understand why people love it to some degree, but I'm like, this is not my favorite. But I was entertained by it because it's also a little cheesy as well. We get to Rocky Five. Woof. That is a rough, <laughs> a rough movie to get through. Is that the one um, with his I'll, son? That's the, one that's, the one, that's the one where his son was younger. Yeah. Um, I thought the first 20 minutes of Rocky V was, was actually not that bad. We take Rocky in a, in a dark place after the events of Rocky IV, but then as soon as, like, about the first 20 minutes and he's forced to move back to Philadelphia, that's, like, I, I'm sorry to say this, but fuck Tommy Gunn. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Anyone who's seen the movie knows exactly what I'm talking about. I hate that character. It done no service to this franchise. Um, and, yeah, I didn't like the story that they presented. Now, a couple years later, we have Rocky Six, Rocky Balboa. That was a true send-off to Rocky. That was a much better conclusion to the Rocky story. Um, and if we ended there and we took out... Honestly, you take Rocky 1, 2, 3, and 6... Don't even watch five. Don't even need it. Um, you you have a good, you have a, a really solid five film, five movies right there. But Rocky Four is an iconic to the timeline of Rocky. That's where Apollo Creed like dies. Like I mean, yes. yeah. as much as you don't like I, it, like it is pivotal <laughs> to the no, no, no. storyline. Rocky Four, Rocky oh. Five, I don't like. Rocky oh. Five, I don't okay. like. Okay, okay. No, Rocky Four. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand its place in the history. Okay. I. That I understand. Also, the talking robot, really weird. Don't think <laughs> right. for it. It was, it, Rock, Rocky Four was definitely a movie of the 80s. Yeah. Like, hey, hey guys, we're in the 80s now. It's like, oh yeah, we are. <laughs> this <laughs> is what we think the future is going to be like. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and also, this was the first movie without Billy Conti, who, who was the composer. It shows, man. When you're not, when you're missing, like it, the, the, whoever the composer is, I'm sure it's great, but they chose to not include the classic Rocky themes where it mattered. Yeah. And I was like, man, that really hurts. That really hurts. And then we have, you know, Rocky uh, Five again. Didn't care for it. Six, much better conclusion. All that being said, I get to Creed, mm. right? Rewatching that movie, my God, I cried every five minutes in that movie. My <laughs> God. <laughs> Because oh. the so I mean I loved Creed in general and I've watched Creed one and two before watching any of the Rocky films, and so when I rewatched Creed after watching all of the Rocky movies, that movie hits on a different level I had no idea about. It hits hard, especially with Rocky Balboa and his fight with cancer and training Creed Apollo um, Adonis going up the ranks. It's it's a beautiful film. Even with 
really even with the backstory now that I have with the Rocky franchise, it was a great movie without that knowledge. It's a fantastic movie with it. Um, and like what they were doing cinematography wise, the music, Ludwig Garrison was killing it with mm-hmm. that score. Oh my god, I I perfectly sat in in the like I have a recliner and uh, where the recliners doesn't sit perfectly where my my back speakers are, but I sat where I had originally positioned those speakers just so I can hear that score in that moment. It's like. It's he's amazing. I'm gonna go back and rewatch all of them now. Oh. And you should. <laughs> I, so, so I didn't watch. I didn't get a chance to watch Creed two. I just ran out of time. But I did because mm-hmm. Creed one is is if not my favorite movie, it's in it's in the top it's five. It is. Oh, yeah. it is. It is at least in the top five. I'll even go as far as saying top three. It's just Ryan Coogler, like and Michael B. Jordan, like. What a great film! That montage scene gets me every time. Yes. Where it's yeah. him, because it, like dirt he's training the, the dirt bikes, and then you <laughs> have the mix of the Rocky score and the new and the Ludwig Garrison yes. score, Meek and then Mill. like and he's talking to Rocky, and it's just like it's just so emotional because it's like he's going through his journey. It's like the whole essence of the Rocky Creed franchise is the hero's journey. It's like yeah. you know, there's another example like. The hero's journey that will always that's been in every story. That's every story. Yeah. Like, like yeah. we'll never get tired of hearing that story. That shit can be repackaged seventeen different times. But if you can tell a good story, like it'll still hit every time. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and and even now diving into uh, Creed two, still a great movie. I think I appreciate this movie more than I did in the past. Um, Rocky two was great it, because it picks up the events of Rocky four. It's 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 the it's a national, it's a natural progression for the franchise to go like, why not highlight the biggest, one of the biggest moments in Creed's story mm-hmm. was when he, when he died. So why not bring Dolph Lundgren back? Why not bring his son? The the, the American versus Russian fight. It makes perfect sense why we did it. Steve Capel Jr., who who directed the sequel, did a great job at like he. It's no Ryan Coogler, but man, he did a he did a, a good good job trying to be. Right, trying to capture that essence, that that's continued story. I know that uh, Sylvester Stallone came back to write part of the screenplay for it. It shows in this movie. It's a really emotional movie in a way that you know Creed has a lot to prove in this film because now he's going after the same you know uh, rivalry that pretty much killed his dad. Um, and also creating your own legacy. You don't want to be haunted by the past with this because this is what everyone goes back to. So it makes perfect sense to do this. Now we dive into Creed three, and and Brandon, your thoughts on Creed three? Man, you put <clears throat> you know Adonis Creed against his old time friend with a chip on his shoulder, like who is just as mad as Creed was when he was like. A young boy, but he's a grown man who lost like 20 years of his life. And then that guy is played by Jonathan Majors. <laughs> Most interesting movie of the franchise to me. I'm sorry. Like, like I said in my review, more interesting than Rocky Four with uh, you know a um, you know Apollo Creed dying. Um, I just, it just like what what Creed has built for itself through three different directors, Ryan Coogler, Stephen Cable Jr., now Michael B. Jordan, it's just like, man, this is how you do it. Like mm-hmm. you've got <laughs> you've got 
Creed kind of sort of like following in the footsteps of his his teacher, essentially, uh, where now he's trying to find fresh new talent. He's got his own gym and everything, but these these old things kind of haunt him. Uh, so following all the same beats of the things that worked for Creed 1 and 2, you've got great cinematography. You've got amazing an amazing score by Ludwig Granson. And now you're getting Michael B. Jordan's, uh, you know, anime references from some of his favorites, which are also some of my favorites, except that I haven't watched Hajime no Ippo, uh, but Naruto, uh, Shippuden, Dragon Ball Z, all these things. And then you add those little ingredients and those elements into the cinematography in your direction. It's like we talked about things being refreshing. Um, Creed 3 was really refreshing to me because, like, I've seen the boxing movie, movies of, like, mm-hmm. different types. You know, I've seen sports action movies before where they do little creative things here and there, but never have I seen it where they add in, like, anime references and take a, a bet on themselves or, like, dare to do it. Like, oh, you know, people could people could think, like, oh, this is corny or this won't translate. Like, the part in the scene where, you know, they kind of bring up the visuals of, uh, you know, um, Damien Dame Anderson or whatever. Him, uh, They put the bars behind him or whatever like that because he, yeah. had, been, he had served time. They put the uh, pillowcase behind him when he hit the turnbuckle or whatever, uh, because that's how, what they used to use to box. They added in um, the house father's voice in there, who's saying "fight me" because that was their abuser. Um, <clears throat> you know, all those kinds of things. They might not have translated for other people, but me, being a great fan of anime, I was just like, I'm feeling this. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and then, you know, a lot of people online have been saying, like, oh, Michael B. Jordan can't act and blah, 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 as if they've never seen Fruitvale Station. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> Acting brand new. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you put him as a scene partner in a particular scene with Felicia Rashad. This is a spoiler uh, yeah. pod, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes, so yes. when she's in the hospital and she can't remember anything or whatever, she's, like, experiencing, like, Alzheimer's or dementia after she's had, like, a stroke, and he's he starts getting the waterworks, I held mm-hmm. my breath because I almost cried. <laughs> oh, I cried. When, he, <laughs> when, she, when she said Apollo, oh, I was like, come on, yeah, man. Like, oh, I lost my head. Like, oh, geez, she's like, she's like, Apollo, you'd be so so proud of your son. I'm like, come on, yeah, man. Yeah. That's, that's, that's great writing. That Absolutely. is great writing. <laughs> so, like, there was, there was so much at stake here. You had, you know, just, and you, and it's like, it's almost like there's no bad guy because Damien Dame Anderson, he just, mm-hmm. he he felt like it was unfair that his friend escaped from the police when he took up for him and he served like 18 years. He came out, he went in as a boy, came out as a grown man and he sees this friend of his who's like a ghost to him and, uh, you know, he's like a ghost to Adonis and it's just this whole thing where you've got this guy trying to achieve self-actualization through his teenage dream um, and then you've got Adonis, who's already at the top, and he's constantly, just like in Creed 2, threatened by his own life's comfort and the, you know, uh, tale as old as time, where it's just like, time will be the thing that gets you if no- nothing else does. If no opponent knocks you out, then the one that always wins is is time and age. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm a sucker for the rough guy coming out of the patch, uh, and he's like, yeah, you've got too comfortable, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, and I'm coming after you. It works for every boxing movie. <laughs> you know, and uh, while some people were having a very interesting debate on Twitter, um, uh, they were saying that Creed 2 is the, out of the three, 
that it has the best training montage, and I have to agree. This one's training montage, it still moved me, but not like Creed 2's. Uh, you know, but I digress. Creed 3, I thought that it was amazing, fantastic. I would see it again in a heartbeat because of, I gotta say, Jonathan Major. He, Jonathan Major's really just had me intrigued because of the nature of his character uh, in that in that film. Sorry if I went like all over the place, but I'm no, no, you're good. <laughs> I, I do agree with you that the training montage held a little bit more stakes in this one because you because. Because Adonis is going back after many years, so yeah. he doesn't have he's a little bit out of practice. So him training is even harder. It's yeah. not like he's always boxing. Like in the second movie, he was still a boxer. So like, okay, you're just kind of doing different things. How Rocky takes him out into like this middle of nowhere to do different training. This guy, I feel like in this movie, he has to start from he has he has to work from the ground up all the way down again. Um, um, Brandon, you mentioned that uh, Ludwig Garrison is the composer for Creed Three. Is he? I thought I thought he's, he was. He, I thought he, he came back. He did not though. But no. um, his uh, the composer is Joseph Shirley, uh, which is basically Ludwig Garrison's protege. Oh well, good job, so, Ludwig. I had he, no idea. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't he's, even look I, it up. I, just, I was like, yeah, that's him. He's he's been working with him on The Mandalorian. He's been working with him on Boba Fett. He's been working with him on Tenet. So yeah, wow. he's he's been with him for a while. So I guess if there was if it's not Ludwig Garrison, might as well be his Guys his protege on clones. It. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, which I thought he did a great job. But Renesta, your thoughts on Creed three? It's hard to say what's already been said. Um, so I think that this is the perfect summation of the whole. Rocky Balboa Creed franchise. I feel like this movie like encapsulates everything for a lot of the things we've kind of already mentioned. The, the storytelling, I mean, I was captivated from start to finish. You have all-star performances from Michael B. Jordan and obviously especially from Jonathan Majors. So I think what he does really well is he brings nuance to the villains. Like he makes you feel like like after he starts talking you're like, "Damn, that is kind of fucked up. I do kind of want him to like do better and like do better in life." And like, no, but he's doing all these me. Like he makes you like Thanos. Like he think like he yep. gets you to think about his side of the story. Like even if it's not really written there, I feel like even in his just his delivery and just his essence to what he brings to the character. Like you don't really question. Like I don't question when he's on screen. Like I forget that mm-hmm. I'm watching him act. Like I I'm like, damn, what is Nate gonna do or what is Nate gonna do next? Like, <laughs> Like, he's a real asshole. But you know what oh, I want to see? Dang, you're so good with kids. I know. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see more movies, them two opposite of each other. I think that they pair so yeah. well together, and they oh, have yeah. such great on-screen chemistry that we need to see more movies with them in it. Um, Absolutely. And you know, you were mentioned like the the. Like I love the fight choreography at the end. Like the whole, like I didn't get that. I didn't get it from the anime sense, but I got it as like you're in their brain. Like that's how. Like you're in their yes, mind. Of how, I thought the same thing. Of, of how they're perceiving that moment, especially when everybody goes blank and it's just them two trading punch for punch, and then you skip and you're already in the eleventh round. It's because to them it's a blur. It's like that's the only thing they focused on. I like I love that we were in their head with it, and like some yeah. of the cinematography that they set up, like right before the fight when he goes to see him and you're at that two shot where they're kind of split between the wall and they're kind of looking at each other between the wall I loved that, shot. that was such a great yeah. shot that was such a great <laughs> shot especially like leading like the intentionality behind 
the cinematography is what I really, really enjoyed. Like it, like it added to the storytelling. Like it was telling you the story without them actually telling you the story. Like it's just another added flavor. Like another added thing that they added in there. Um, so I didn't see, I didn't get a chance to finish Creed two. My only question is, where is Rocky? Does he pass away in the second mm. in Creed two? So, so in, so okay, here's here's a short version of what happened. At the end of Creed two, there is a little bit of a send off of his character. Mm. I think I don't want to spoil it for you, but right, there is a send off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there is a send off for the character that makes a lot of sense. And I think yeah. if Creed three was happening, he would have been on board. But here's the problem. Here's what happened in reality. Two things. One. Uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone is having a feud with the producer, uh, Erin uh, uh, Winkler, Erin, uh, Erwin, Erwin Winkler, and so he he publicly went out and said that I'm not supporting this man, um, and uh, I forgot the details of the dispute, but he's also been producing every Rocky movie and Creed movie, so he didn't want to go and support uh, Winkler on that, and also he wasn't. Um, 100% uh, down for the direction they were going for the third movie, so he decided just he didn't want to be involved in it whatsoever. Um, he did not die in in, in Creed 2. I'll, I'll give it that way. Spoiler, <laughs> he did not die in Creed 2, but he was given a send-off where it was okay that he wasn't in this movie. And the reason why it was okay, because of what this movie is, and what this franchise has become, and it's only fitting that Michael B. Jordan is even directing this movie, is because it's all about creating your own legacy. Yes. Yep. yes. And the fact that Michael B. Jordan was involved in creating his, like, this is his directorial debut. So the fact that he was like, hey, I want to take control, not only the story, but grow as a person. And, like, like to me, it was so fitting to see this movie take on its new legacy, be its own movie. Didn't I mean, sure, maybe maybe Sylvester Stallone might have a different opinion when it comes to Creed Four if that comes to pass. But if not... Having Creed three stand alone as its own film without relying on Rocky really makes sense to me. Yeah. Of like because he wants to create his own legacy. And so much so that like even even walking into this movie, I'm like, okay, so how's Michael B. Jordan gonna be separating himself as a director in this franchise? I feel like in my head this was an easy movie for him to start his career start his directorial debut in because he's familiar with the camera and the setting and he's worked with greats like Sylvester Stallone who directed Rocky two, three, four, and six, um, as well as all of the other um uh, Rambo films. He's a great director, and he's also Rocky. Uh, Sylvester Stallone has written all of the Rocky films and some of the Creed films. So, like Sylvester Stallone's uh, presence and involvement has been in the franchise for forever. So, the fact that Michael B. Jordan is now doing the same also seems fitting. As soon as the first fight started in Creed Three, and we got those slow motion, like him looking at like the side, and he was like, "Oh, checkmate! I got it." It was at that moment was like, I am in for this movie. <laughs> yeah. I saw something within the first five minutes of this movie that, like, that's different, that's new, that's Michael B. Jordan's direction, and that just separated from him as a director, and I'm 100% in for what this movie is going to be. Yeah, and even the added layer of the of his child being deaf as a progression from, mm-hmm. his, from his wife, like, what a great... 
little mini subplot that fit perfectly. Like it oh, wasn't absolutely. shoehorned in. I felt like it was perfectly placed within the film, and they didn't dwell on it. And it was just like an added feature, just another added feature for this movie. Like yeah. I want to see some nominations for this shit next year. Absolutely, <laughs> it, it's deserving. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes, absolutely. Michael B. Jordan directing. I mean, it's so original. It's so refreshing. Like it's something new for Hollywood. Like this is exactly what they need yeah and i mean i think this is one of those situations where we like just earlier in this episode we were like hey no more sequels and and reboots and whatever but if it's done right though if it's yeah. done that's right that's the exception to the rule that's yes. the exception <laughs> to the rule and it's been like this whole trilogy it's they, they have not missed yet on this and i and i can't imagine that like like you just have great passionate people behind these the, these three movies with Ryan Coogler having the great idea of rebooting this franchise um, and then going off of that with Creed 2 going off of the events of Rocky 4 and now Mikey B. Jordan very similar to Sylvester Stallone was like I've been this character for so long I want to start directing some of these and it and that passion is bleeding through into the film and to me, it, it, it shows. It shows very much so. And like Brandon, you were talking about some of the scenes, um, especially toward the end where we see him, um, where we see it, like, you know, the cage, the, the bars mm-hmm. coming down in the ring. Like, and the fact that when we come out of that, it's round 12. I'm like, whoa, we just, like, we were in their mindset. I was with you, Ernesto. Like, it felt like we were in the mindset of those two fighters. Like, everything is blocked out. And we are now just in the zone, and we've never seen that in a in a in a film like that before, in in a, in a Rocky or Creed film. So, with with that, Brandon, your final thoughts? Yeah, uh, it's just like you guys said. I I am a huge fan of them incorporating that you know super creative version of subjective entry by utilizing these anime references and kind of bringing them into live action in a way that just really works. Um, mm-hmm. I would encourage everybody to go see. Creed 3, especially emerging filmmakers, mm-hmm. uh, because it just, it takes so many things and just kind of puts it out there in such a, like, you know, ambitious way for you to, if, if you gave the same footage to a classroom of 30 students, you would get 30 different movies. Mm-hmm. But if Michael B. Jordan just so happened to be one of those students and came out with this movie, he would have gotten the best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, you, <clears throat> it takes bravery to go against things that have already always been done as the conventional Mm -hmm. design of this type of movie. Like I said in my review, I'm like, hey, it's a boxing movie. You've got the young warrior or whatever who wants the shot at a belt or maybe already has a belt. You've got the training montage. Um, You've got the stakes. You've got the opponent. You've got the motivational music. You've got a boxing movie. But then you add to the layers of that with all these creative things and these risks and you just get something that absolutely has the cherry on top that will make me go and order it again if it's a menu mm-hmm. item <laughs> <You know? laughs> so uh yeah creed through uh go see it if you guys are listening to this guys and gals and everybody <laughs> if you're listening to this go and watch creed, creed if you haven't yet i would encourage you to see it in a theater while you can something dolby di- digital screen audio the whole nine because <laughs> um, that's how i saw it and it was amazing i, I believe that, that experience is important I know that people are kind of like, you know, really weighing their options on whether or not to go to the theater these days. And, hey, I get it because I know it's not cheap. But Creed 3, it doesn't let down. 
you know, on that end, and I, I, re, I just really think it's entertaining. If you if you are new to Jonathan Majors and the amazing talent that he is, you've got Last Black Man in San Francisco. He was even great in uh, Captive State. <laughs> um, you know, you've got him in as King and uh, you know Ant Man in, in the Wasp Quantumania. He was in uh, the last episode. Sorry for spoilers for Loki on Disney Plus, and he's also in Creed Three. And also, oh my God, the canceled. Unfortunately, I'll never forget them for this. Lovecraft um, Country. Yeah. Lovecraft Country say. on HBO Max, <laughs> one of, which is yeah. like his biggest flex of like everything that he can do throughout a series. So those are my final Very thoughts. Very true. <laughs> and I was, I was about to say you also missed a devotion as well, devotion. which are devotion. Really, I devotion. saw that on yeah. my birthday. Yeah. Great, yeah. great yeah. film. Oh my God. Oh yes, yes. Ernesto, your final thoughts. Well, real quick. I think I think only thing I didn't really mention is that what I love what else I love about this is that this movie works as a standalone film. Like you don't Absolutely. really you don't need to watch Creed you don't need to watch Creed One to to get the full story, but if you want that deep understanding that you got, Matt, like you'll obviously if you watch everything in the franchise, you're gonna have a deep appreciation oh, yeah. for the la- for this last film. Um I love the positive reinforcement it told about teaching kids how to fight especially women how to fight and like how important it is for his daughter to learn how to fight like i that to me that was the cherry on top i was like that what a great positive message to throw at the end of a hero's journey to like know that it's not just a masculine thing that it is also like how related it is to mental health and like how important it is for everybody to learn how to defend themselves especially someone who is deaf like who has to face those different kinds of adversity i mean I mean, Chef's Kiss. It was a, like Absolutely. it really. This movie is really a highlight for me for the yeah. year. Like it's gonna be hard. It's this movie <laughs> has set a really, really high bar. <laughs> uh, and it's funny that you mentioned that you can watch this movie as a standalone. I mean, you absolutely can. I mean, obviously, this movie is the most disassociated itself from the franchise. Not only Creed, but all the Rocky films as well. Um, so, like with Creed two, you obviously you need you have better sense when you watch Rocky four. But with Creed three, you don't need any of that. It works on its own. It works well as a trilogy. It works well as if you watch a monster, uh, uh, you know, all the films. It is, I agree with Ernesto, it's going to be a high bar to beat this film. It does a lot of great things, right? Jonathan Majors is still the top of his game. Um, I can't highly recommend this film any more than it is. I thought it, this was like the first big movie of 2023 i'm like now we got one yeah we got one great movie on in in the year yeah top that people sorry ant-man didn't quite do it for me (laughs) (laughs) it's creed three all the way and also um it was like number one at the box office i think it had the uh the best opening for a creed as well as a uh as not had the best opening for a Creed sequel and a Rocky sequel Mm. with like 53.8 million dollars or whatever but either way, that's our thoughts on Creed 3. Go watch the movie if you haven't already. You're going to have a great time in the theater for sure. And that's all the show we have for you guys this week. Brandon, thank you very much for joining us yet again. We really Love do appreciate it. Thanks Love for having, having you on. Oh, Definitely going to have you on for another one very, very yes. soon. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. You heard it, Matt. Locked him yes. in. Yes. <laughs> Locked him in. Um. Next week, it will be a surprise for everyone what we're going to be reviewing. So be sure to come back next week for more movie fun. You're not going to regret it. Follow us on social media channels on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, all the ones. We're all there. For that, I've been your host, Matt Diaz. Ben Ernesto Santos. See ya.